<clears throat> what is the coagulation cascade? So it's a series of conversions of inactive proenzymes to activated enzymes, and it culminates in the formation of thrombin, which is then able to convert the soluble plasma protein fibrinogen into insoluble fibrin. So there's two pathways involved. There's the extrinsic pathway, which is activated by tissue factor or lipoprotein, which is exposed at sites of tissue injury. Um, and then there's the intrinsic pathway, which is activated by factor 12. Both pathways converge where activation of factor 10 occurs. The common pathway is factor 10, prothrombin to thrombin, factor C, calcium then fibrinogen to fibrin and ultimately cross-linked fibrin. So what is the coagulation cascade? It's a series of conversions of inactive proenzymes to activated enzymes culminating in the formation of thrombin which then converts soluble plasma protein fibrinogen into insoluble fibrin. There's two pathways involved. The extrinsic pathway is activated by tissue factor or lipoprotein exposed at sites of tissue injury and the intrinsic pathway is activated by factor 12. <coughs> Both pathways will converge where, act where activation of factor 10 occurs. So the common pathway is factor 10, prothrombin to thrombin, factor C, calcium then fibrinogen to fibrin and ultimately cross-linked fibrin. Which mechanisms restrict the activity of the coagulation cascade or what opposes the coagulation cascade? Um, so three main ones is antithrombin 3, protein CNS and plasmin, but others to remember is tissue factor pathway inhibitor. Um, fibrin breakdown products are also weakly anticoagulant. Um, and the restriction of factor activation to areas of tissue damage and exposed phospholipids. So antithrombin 3, um, it inhibits the activity of thrombin and other serine proteases including 9, 10, 11, 12 and it's activated by binding to heparin-like molecules on the endothelium um, and that's also how heparin acts as an antithrombotic agent um, because it activates protein C. So just from the textbook, anticoagulant effects. Normal endothelium shields coagulation factors from tissue factor in the vessel walls and expresses multiple factors that actively oppose coagulation. Most notably is thrombomodulin, endothelial protein C receptor, heparin-like molecules and tissue factor pathway inhibitor. So thrombomodulin and endothelial protein C bind thrombin and protein C respectively into a complex on the endothelial surface. So when bound to this complex, so thrombomodulin and thrombin, thrombin will lose its ability to activate the coagulation factors and platelets and instead it cleaves and activates protein C which is vitamin K-dependent protease and it requires cofactor protein S. Activated protein C slash protein S complex is a potent inhibitor of the coagulation factors 5 and 8A. 
Heparin-like molecules on the surface of the endothelium bind and activate antithrombin-3, which then inhibits thrombin in factors 9, 10, 11 and 12a. The clinical utility of heparin and related drugs is based on their ability to stimulate antithrombin-3 activity. Tissue factor pathway inhibitor, like protein C, requires protein S as a cofactor and it's, as its name implies, binds and inhibits tissue factor or factor 7A complexes. In addition to antithrombin-3, um, protein C and S are important. They activate or they inactivate 5A and 8A. Um, which are vitamin K-dependent proteins characterised by their ability... Oh, sorry, protein CNS are vitamin K proteins characterised by their ability to inactivate 5A and 8A. Plasmin, so plasminogen is activated to plasmin by factor 12-dependent pathway or by activation from TPA or UPA. Plasmin breaks down fibrin, and which will produce fibrin breakdown products, which also have an anticoagulant property. Um, and endothelial cells modulate the coagulation anticoagulation cascade balance by release of plasma or um, plasminogen activating inhibition to inhibit plasmin. So it blocks fibrinolysis by inhibiting tissue plasminogen activator binding to fibrin. Um, and finally, a basic mechanism by which um, coagulation is inhibited is restriction of factor activation to areas of tissue damage and exposed phospholipids. <clears throat> so what factors inhibit the protein or the coagulation cascade. Um, one, antiplatelets on intact endothelium um, will release endothelial PGI2 nitrous oxide, which is a vasodilator, and adenosine diphosphatase, which will degrade ADP. ADP is a strong procoagulant. Anticoagulant, so membrane-associated heparins allow antithrombin-3 to inactivate factors 19, 11, 12a. Thrombomodulin allows thrombin to activate protein C, which requires protein S to exhibit its anticoagulant properties. Um, and fibrinolytic, so properties, so endothelial cells synthesize TPA. So that was which factors inhibit the coagulation cascade. <clears throat> Antiplatelet, anticoagulant and fibrinolytic. Um, list some common triggers of DIC. So sepsis, including from malaria, meningococcemia, um, and major trauma, so burns, surgery, um, oh, going back to sepsis, so meningococcemia, malaria, gram-negative sepsis, aspergillosis, burns and surgery, and major trauma, some cancers such as um, promyelocytic leukemia, acute 
promyelocytic leukemia and adenocarcinoma of the lung, bowel and pancreas. And then another major category is obstetric complications, so amniotic fluid embolus um, retained uh, or intrauterine fetal death, um, preeclampsia and amniotic fluid embolism, um, and also a transfusion reaction can cause it. So what is... Oh, how does endothelial injury initiate DIC? So exposure of the subendothelial matrix activates platelets in the coagulation cascade. TNF, TNF activates tissue factor. How does endothelial injury initiate DAC? So exposure of the subendothelial matrix activates platelets in the coagulation cascade. TNF causes tissue factor to be expressed from the endothelial cells. Um, TNF also upregulates the expression of adhesion molecules on the endothelial cells and allows leukocytes to bind and damage them. So direct trauma to the endothelial cells from antigen-antibody complexes can also occur or direct trauma due to temperature extremes or microorganisms. So TNF causes tissue factor to be expressed on the endothelial cells. It upregulates the expression of adhesion molecules, which allows leukocytes to bind and damage them. Um, and also there can be direct trauma to the endothelial cells by antigen antibody complexes, temperature extremes, or microorganisms. Um, What's the pathophysiology of DIC? So you get release of tissue factor into the circulation, widespread injury of the endothelial cells, acute, subacute or chronic thrombohemorrhagic disorder characterised by 1. Excessive activation of coagulation 2. Formation of thrombi in the microvascular circulation 3. Secondary activation of fibrinolysis causing bleeding and four, consumption of platelets, fibrin, and coagulation factors. So, <clears throat> release of tissue factor into the circulation, widespread injury of endothelial cells, and it's an acute, subacute, or chronic thrombohemorrhagic disorder characterized by excessive activation of coagulation, formation of thrombi in the microvascular circulation, secondary activation of fibrinolysis causing bleeding, consumption of platelets, fibrin, and coagulation factors. So what is the consequences of DIC? So widespread deposition of fibrin leads to ischemia and hemolytic anemia. Widespread deposition of fibrin leads to ischemia and hemolytic anemia. Hemorrhagic diathesis or consumptive coagulopathy from consumption of platelets and clotting factors and the activation of plasminogen. So widespread deposition of fibrin leads to ischemia and hemolytic anemia and hemorrhagic diathesis slash consumptive coagulopathy from consumption of platelets, clotting factors and activation of plasminogen. 
what is an embolus? So an embolus is a detached intravascular solid, liquid or gaseous mass that's carried by the blood to a certain distance from its point of origin. So the main ones are um, thromboembolism, which can either be venous, which normally goes to the lungs, or arterial, which um, causes systemic thromboembolus and can be from the atrium. Um, or the left ventricular wall in the context of myocardial infarction. Um, amniotic fluid embolus, fat embolus, gas embolus or ear embolus. Um, what is a systemic thromboembolism? So that refers to em embolus in the arterial circulation. And the sources of systemic thromboembolism are mainly from intracardiac mural thrombus. So two-thirds of which are associated with left ventricular wall infarcts and another quarter with left atrial dilation and fibrillation. Um, and the rest are from aortic aneurysms or um, like um, atherosclerotic plaques, valvular vegetations, or it can be spontaneous. What is the main difference between the lodgings of an arterial and a venous thrombus? So arterial can travel to many different sites depending on the amount of blood flow, um, but the major sites are the lower extremities, the brain, the intestines, um, and then to a lesser extent, the spleen, the upper extremities. Um, venous thrombi mainly just go to the lung, but I guess if you had a PFO, then you can get a systemic venous thromboembolism although then does it become a systemic anyway whatever um describe the process of infarction from an arterial occlusion so you get an area of ischemic necrosis usually in the context of an arterial occlusion um, and in a solid organ with end arterial circulation you'll get a white infarct the acute aspect of the inflammation will occur within hours and then the reparative response follows after that. Um, but factors in influencing the inflant depend on the nature of the vascular supply. I is it an end artery versus collateral? Um, so end artery would be like spleen or renal. Um, the rate of occlusion, the vulnerability of the tissue to hypoxia, the oxygen content of blood, i.e. it would be worse than anemia, um, and the caliber of the occluded vessel. What is disseminated intravascular coagulation? So it's intravascular activation of the coagulation sequence by a variety of processes and clinical conditions. The resultant formation of microthrombi throughout the circulation are often uneven in distribution. It involves the consumption of platelets, fibrin and coagulation factors and a secondary coagulopathy due to the loss of platelets, fibrin and coagulation factors. Um, it involves the activation of fibrinolytic mechanisms that aggravate the hemorrhagic potential. The clinical picture is of tissue slash organ hypoxia and infarction as well as hemorrhage. 
there's the development of a microangiopathic hemolytic anemia secondary to the intravascular fibrin traumatizing red blood cells. So intravascular activation of the coagulation sequence by a variety of processes and clinical conditions. It results in the formation of microthrombi throughout the circulation, which are often uneven in distribution. There's a consumption of platelets, fibrin and coagulation factors and a coagulopathy which develops secondary to the loss of platelets, fibrin and coagulation factors. Activation of fibrinolytic mechanisms aggravates the hemorrhagic potential. The clinical picture is of tissue and organ hypoxia infarction as well as hemorrhage. There's a development of a microangiopathic hemolytic anemia secondary to the intravascular fibrin traumatizing the red blood cells. The causes include obstetric causes like abruption, retained dead fetus, septic abortion, amniotic fluid embolus, and toxemia from PET, um, infection or sepsis from meningococcusemia, malaria, gram-negative sepsis, aspergillosis, um, cancers including adenosiae of the pancreas, prostate, lung and stomach um, or acute promyelocytic um, leukemia or trauma such as major diffuse trauma, burns, surgery or others like um, a blood transfusion or liver disease or a snake bite um, or shock or heat stroke. Um, what are the major mechanisms which trigger disseminated intravascular coagulation? Um, so it's pathological activation of the extrinsic or and or intrinsic pathways or impaired clot inhibition, but that's rare. Um, so it's release of tissue factor or thromboplastic substances into the circulation. <coughs> um, oh, so in obstetric dis disorders, it's placental origin, um, and it's endotoxics and gram-negative sepsis, and then you get widespread diffuse injury to endothelial cells, TNF is a main mediator. From where do pulmonary thromboemboli originate? So 95% <clears throat> arise in the deep vein of the legs, they pass up the right side of the heart and into the pulmonary vascular. Um, and prime, what are some of the risk factors for thrombus? So primary includes genetic factors such as factor V Leiden, protein CNS deficiency or antiphospholipid syndrome. Acquired includes stasis, immobilization, long haul flights, active malignancy, trauma, burn, surgery, pregnancy, OCP, um, to a looser effect extent smoking um, indwelling catheters um, and what are the clinical effects of a pulmonary thromboembolism so most are clinically silent but you can develop cough, fever shortness of breath chest pain, hemoptysis, tachycardia tapicnea um, sudden death right heart failure, core pulmonale cardiovascular collapse um, pulmonary hemorrhage, infarction, and over time, multiple emboli may cause pulmonary hypertension and core pulmonale. John Lightfall. Uh, what kind of emboli are there? So you can actually have foreign body emboli, uh, malignant emboli, amniotic fluid, ear, gas, nitrogen, fat, arterial, or pulmonary.
like a venous thromboembolism. What are the what are the features of fat embolism syndrome? So it's associated with long bone fractures um, and occasionally soft tissue injury or burns. And only 10% will become symptomatic. It can cause pulmonary insufficiency, so shortness of breath, tapnea, tachycardia, neurological symptoms including irritability, delirium, coma, um, anemia due to red blood cell aggregation and hemolysis, and thrombocytopenia due to platelet adhesion aggregation, um, leading to a petechial rash. So pulmonary insufficiency, neurological symptoms, anemia and thrombocytopenia. Primary <clears throat> primary hemostasis equals formation of a platelet plug. So first of all, endothelial damage exposes 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 the um the ECM so you the extracellular matrix so you get collagen and von Willy brand um, which can cause platelet activation. You get adherence via glycoprotein to von Willy brand of platelets. Um, the platelets then have a conformational change and they become, they go from flat to round and spiky. And you get secretion of ADP, thromboxin A2 and calcium um, plus the negative charge of the phospholipid causing platelet aggregation and so platelet glycoprotein receptors um, will adhere to fibrinogen. So from Robbins, primary hemostasis, um, the formation of the platelet plug. So disruption of the endothelium exposes subendothelial von Willy brain factor and collagen, which will promote platelet adherence and activation. Activation of the platelets results in a dramatic shape change. So they go from small rounded disc to flat plates with spiky protrusions um, that markedly increase the surface area, as well as the release of secretory granules. Within minutes, the secreted products recruit additional platelets, which undergo aggregation to form a primary hemostatic plug. So just to go over that again, disruption of the endothelium exposes subendothelial von Willy factor and collagen, which promote platelet adherence and activation. Activation of the platelets from a, results in a dramatic shape change from small round discs to flat plates with spiky bits that increase the surface area, as well as the release of secretory granules, including ADP. Within minutes, the secreted products recruit additional platelets which undergo aggregation to form a primary hemostatic plug. Secondary hemostasis is the deposition of fibrin. Um, so tissue factor is exposed at the site of injury. It's a membrane-bound procoagulant glycoprotein that's normally expressed by subendothelial cells in the vessel walls, such as smooth muscle cells and fibroblasts. Tissue factor binds and activates factor 7, setting in motion a cascade of reactions um, that accumulates in thrombin generation. Thrombin cleaves circulating fibrinogen into insoluble fibrin, creating a fibrin meshwork and is also a potent activator of platelets, leading to additional platelet aggregation at the site of the injury. 
This sequence, referred to as secondary hemostasis, consolidates the initial platelet plug. So secondary hemostasis, deposition of fibrin, so tissue factor is also exposed at the site of the injury. Tissue factor is a membrane-bound procoagulant glycoprotein that is normally expressed by the subendothelial cells in the vessel wall, such as smooth muscle cells and fibroblasts. Tissue factor binds and activates factor 7, setting in motion a cascade of reaction that culminates in thrombin generation. Thrombin cleaves circulating fibrinogen into insoluble fibrin, creating a fibrin meshwork and also is a potent activator of platelets, leading to additional platelet aggregation at the site of the injury. This sequence, referred to as the secondary hemostasis, consolidates the initial platelet plug. Clot stabilisation and resorption is next. So again from Robbins, clot stabilisation and resorption. So polymerised fibrin and platelet aggregates undergo contraction to form a solid permanent plug that prevents further haemorrhage. And then counter-regulatory mechanisms at this stage kick in, such as TPA, um, that limit clotting to the site of the injury and eventually lead to clot resorption and tissue repair. How is the coagulation cascade activated following injury? <clears throat> so vascular damage exposures tissue factor, causes the exposure of tissue factor, which converts factor 7 to factor 7a. This causes a series of amplifying enzymatic reactions that leads to deposition of a fibrin clot, which, causes, which is secondary hemostasis. Factor 10 is converted to 10A, which in turn converts prothrombin to thrombin, which converts fibrinogen to fibrin. Um, what does the prothrombin time measure? So it measures the extrinsic and common pathways. What laboratory tests are used to assess the function of the different pathways of the coagulation cascade and which one is vitamin K dependent? So the prothrombin time um, assesses the extrinsic and common pathways. So that's factor 7, 10, 2, 5 and fibrinogen. So it includes vitamin K de dependent factors. So that's factor 7, 10, 2, 5 and fibrinogen. And is so that's prothrombin is vitamin K dependent, and then the partial thromboplastin time is the intrinsic pathway, um, which is 12, 11, 9, 8, 5, 10, 2, and fibrinogen. So 11, 10, 11, 12, 8. 5 and 2 and fibrinogen. Um, what's the sequence of events that occurs to produce hemostasis after a vas vascular in injury? So you have vasoconstriction, primary hemostasis, secondary hemostasis and thrombus and antithrombotic effect. So for vasoconstriction, um, arteriolar reflex neurogenic and it's enhanced by endothelin. Primary hemostasis, um, you have the extracellular matrix being exposed, platelet adherence and activation, um, and formation of a platelet plug. Secondary hemostasis, you have tissue factors exposed, factor 3 um, thromboplastin, factor 7 platelet plug consolidated, thrombin fibrin generated. 
Um, and then finally, thrombus and antithrombotic effect. So fibrin polymerizes to form a permanent plug, but TPA regulates this and eventually you get the breakdown of that clot. In the normal coagulation cascade, what happens after factor X is activated? Um, so conversion of prothrombin to thrombin, which requires calcium and activated factor V as cofactors, um, and it occurs on the surface of damaged endothelium or activated platelets. Um, factor two, once activated, um, so thrombin then catalyzes fibrinogen to fibrin in the presence of calcium, and it and um, thrombin also catalyzes factor 13 to 13A in the presence of calcium leading to the cross-linking of fibrin. So conversion of prothrombin to thrombin, which requires calcium and activated, activated factor 5 as cofactors, um, and it occurs on the surface of damaged endothelium or activated platelets. And then um, thrombin catalyzes fibrinogen to fibrin in the presence of calcium, and thrombin also activates factor 13, which, in the presence of calcium, then leads to cross-linking of fibrin. Describe the normal process of fibrinolysis. So plasmin is produced from circulating plasma protein plasminogen, either by factor, um, by factor 12A, um, or by plasminogen activators. And then plasma breaks down fibrin to degradation products such as D-dimer, which just and disrupts polymerization. Um, plasmin can be activated from TPA from endothelial cells, um, and also urokinase TPA circulating, which is like um like TPA it's a circulating protein. Um, and free plasmin is activated by alpha-2 plasmin inhibitor. Oh, free, free plasmin is inactivated by alpha-2 plasmin inhibitor. What is an infarct? It's an area of ischemic necrosis caused by arterial or venous occlusion. So an area of ischemic necrosis caused by arterial or venous occlusion. What mechanisms lead to an infarct? So arterial thrombus, embolism, vasospasm, hemorrhage into a plaque, um, extrinsic vascular compression by tumour or edema, torsion of a vessel, traumatic rupture, entrapment in a hernial sac, venous thrombosis. So arterial thrombosis, embolism, vasospasm, hemorrhage into a plaque, extrinsic vascular compression by tumor or edema, torsion of a vessel, traumatic rupture, entrapment in a hernial sac, venous thrombosis. What factors determine development of an infarct? So nature of the vascular supply, is it dual or end arterial? Rate of occlusion development, is there time for collaterals? Um, vulnerability to hypoxia of the tissue type and oxygen content of the blood. So the vascular supply, rate of occlusion, vulnerability to hypoxia and oxygen content of the blood. 
What's the irreversible injury in cells after a period of ischemia? So it's the irreparable structural and intracellular damage that re- results in a sequelae of necrosis or apoptosis. So the irreparable structural and intracellular damage that results in sequelae of necrosis and apoptosis. Um, and it's got two consistent characteristics, so severe disturbance of membrane function and the inability of mitochondria to generate energy or ATP. So severe disturbance of membrane function and inability of mitochondria to generate energy or ATP. Um, what changes are observed in these cell structure and contents? So extensive damage to cell membranes, increased cell swelling, lysosomal swelling and disruption, Swelling in mitochondria with amorphous densities, nuclear condensation, then fragmentation and dissolution, and myelin figures start to appear. So extensive damage to cell membranes, increased cell swelling, lysosomal swelling and disruption, swelling of in mitochondria with amorphous densities, nuclear condensation, fragmentation, um, and myelin myelin figures appearing. So describe the mechanisms of ischemic cell injury. So hypoxia to loss of oxidative phosphorylation and decreased ATP in mitochondria. Failure of sodium pump, loss of glycogen and decreased protein synthesis. Cellular swelling, loss of microvilli, ER swelling, cell surface blebs and myelin figures. Um, and irreversible changes, including swollen mitochondria, plasma membrane damage, lysosomal swelling, and calcium influx. So failure of sodium pump, loss of glycogen, and decreased protein synthesis, um, cellular swelling, loss of microvilli, endoplasmic reticulum swelling, cell surface blebs and myelin figures, and irreversible changes include Swollen mitochondria, plasma membrane damage, and lysosomal swelling with calcium influx. And what's the difference between ischemic cell injury and hypoxic injury? So ischemia prevents the delivery of energy substrates, while hypoxic tissue can still produce energy by anaerobic glycolysis. Ischemia prevents delivery of energy substrates while hypoxia tissue can still produce energy by anaerobic glycolysis. Um, And ischemia tends to injure tissues faster than hypoxia. Um, Describe reversible and then irreversible changes during acute ischemia. So reversible changes, um, you get cellular swelling, because of failure to maintain ionic and fluid hemostasis, organs become swollen. So one, plasma membrane blebs, intramembranous aggregations, mitochondrial swelling, small densities, um, distended segments of the endoplasmic reticulum, dispersion of ribosomes, i.e. vascular degeneration, um, and clumping of nuclear chromatin with a fatty change with lipid vacuoles in the cytoplasm. So plasma membrane blebs, um, mitochondrial spelling, small densities, um, distended segments of the ER, vacuolar degeneration, Um, clumping of nuclear chromatin, fatty change with lipid vacuoles in the cytoplasm.
Irreversible changes include cell membrane defects, myelin figures in the cytoplasm, rupture of lysozymes and autodigestion, mitochondrial large densities, lysis of the endoplasmic reticulum, nuclear pycnosis, karyolysis or karyohexis. So the irreversible changes are cell membrane defects, myelin figures in the cytoplasm, rupture of lysozymes and autodigestion, mitochondrial large densities, lysis of the ear, nuclear pycnosis, karyolysis or karyohexis. What metabolic changes occur in irreversible ischemia? So you get inability to reverse mitochondrial dysfunction causing ATP depletion. You get disturbances of the cell membrane. Um, and contributing mechanisms are mitochondrial dysfunction, loss of membrane phospholipids, cytoskeletal abnormalities, reactive oxygen species, lipid breakdown products, and the loss of intracellular amino acids. What's the difference between ischemic and hypoxic injury? So ischemic involves the disruption or reduction in blood supply resulting in reduced oxygen delivery, reduced delivery of substrate and reduced removal of metabolic products, whereas hypoxic involves reduced oxygen delivery only. So in hypoxic, anaerobic um, can continue because glycolytic metabolism can continue as a new substrate is being delivered. As a result cellular hence tissue injury is much more rapid in ischemic injury. What is edema? Increased interstitial fluid. What are some causes? Um, so it can be inflammatory due to infection, tissue necrosis, foreign body, immune, traumatic or non-inflammatory um, due to increased hydrostatic pressure, e.g. heart failure, DVT, low protein, lymphatic instruction, obstruction or sodium retention. Um, What's the difference between inflammatory and non-inflammatory edema? So inflammatory, it's exudative, it's got a high protein concentration, um, whereas non-inflammatory is transudative with a low protein concentration. Which factors govern the movement of fluid between the vascular and interstitial spaces? So hydrostatic pressure within the vessel, colloid osmotic pressure within the vessel, um, and having normal capillary walls. So most proteins remain intravascular and fluid leaks out. Um, fluid leaks out of the vessel at the arteriole end um, and most fluid is returned into the vessel at the venular end. A small amount of fluid returns via the lymphatics and if the lymphatics are blocked then it will cause less movement um, and more tissue edema. So what are the major major mechanisms of, of edema formation? So one, increased hydrostatic pressure, as in um, venous obstruction, compression or thrombosis, um, or it can be due to arteriolar dilation or neurohumoral humoral dysregulation or something like heart failure. Um, so one, increased hydrostatic pressure. Two, reduced plasma oncotic pressure, i.e. in hypoalbuminemia, nephrotic syndrome, um, or poor production like in cirrhosis. Three, inflammation with angiogenesis. Four, lymphatic obstruction, which could be inflammatory or neoplastic um, after like an auxiliary lymph node dissection. Um, 
and show you retention with water, like in renal insufficiency, we get activation of the renin angiotensin system, or in renal hypoperfusion, as in heart failure. And what are the clinical features of heart failure? So dyspnea, orthopnea, PND, APO, third heart sound, displaced apex beat, atrial fibrillation, murmurs, JVP elevated, fluid retention, pedal edema and AKR in the kidney and in the brain confusion and in the liver congestion, ascites and cirrhosis at the later stages. What's the pathogenesis of cardiogenic edema? So decreased cardiac output, decreased renal perfusion, secondary aldosteroneism, increased blood volume, increased venous pressure, worsening edema. What's reperfusion injury? So it's when reperfused tissue sustain loss of cells in addition to the cells that are irreversibly damaged at the end of ischemia. So basically it's worsening insult secondary to increased blood flow. What are the mechanisms? So reactive oxygen and nitrogen species produced from the incomplete reduction of the incoming oxygen by damaged mitochondria in parenchymal and endothelial cells. Oof. Reactive oxygen and nitrogen species produced. Inflammation, so increased cytokine production and adhesion molecule expression by hypoxic cells recruits inflammatory cells, causing further injury. So recruitment of neutrophils through adhesion molecule expression by the hypoxic cells and activation of complements. So IgM antibodies may deposit in the ischemic tissues. Complement binds and is activated, causing further injury and inflammation. So reactive oxygen-nitrogen species, inflammation and activation of complement. What are the possible mechanisms for ischemic reperfusion injury? <clears throat> So, one, oxygen-free radicals from cells and leukocytes. Two, mitochondrial permeability, permeability transition. Three, inflammation from cytokines and expression of adhesion molecules. And four, complement activation. So, oxygen-free radicals from cells and leukocytes, mitochondrial permeability transition, inflammation from cytokines and the expression of adhesion molecules and complement activation. Um, describe how free radicals, free oxygen free radicals contribute to this injury. So um, free radicals are from parenchymal cells, endothelial cells and leukocytes, parenchymal endothelial and leukocytes, um, and super, form superoxide anions, um, damage mitochondria action of oxidizes. Um, what's the definition of shock? So it's either a reduction in cardiac output or the effective circulating blood volume um, which results in hypotension followed by impaired tissue perfusion and cellular hypoxia. So impaired tissue perfusion and cellular hypoxia are the two main points there. Um, what are the major categories? So cardiogenic, as in an acute myocardial infarct, or due to cardiotoxins or an arrhythmia. Hypovolemic, in the context of a hemorrhage, burn, or GI losses. Septic or systemic inflammation, in the context of sepsis, pancreatitis, or trauma. Um, that's independent of hemorrhage. Distributive, as in anaphylaxis or adrenal crisis. Um, 
but you can also put the soups under here as well, so it's a bit weird. Um, neurogenic, e.g. spinal cord injury or spinal anesthetic, um, obstructive, e.g. tension, pneumothorax, cardiac tamponade or PA. So again, shock is tissue hypoperfusion due to either reduced cardiac output or reduced effective blood volume. Um, and what are the stages of hemorrhagic shock? So it can be non-progressive, whereby the reflex of um, compensatory mechanisms are adequate to maintain vital organ perfusion, such as tachycardia and peripheral vasoconstriction. Um, it can be progressive, where tissue hypoperfusion persists and you get the development of metabolic disturbances. And finally, it can be irreversible due to non-reversible tissue and cellular injury um, and the with the development of multi-organ failure. Describe the initial presentation of shock. Narrowed pulse pressure, increased cap refill, tacky, hypotensive, tapic cool, clammy skin, cyanotic skin, oliguria, augmented state. So this is a recess one and two. Um, narrow pulse pressure, increased cap refill, tachycardic, hypotensive, tapic cold, clammy skin, cyanotic skin, decreased urine output, um, and an altered mental state. Just quickly flicking back to platelets, what are the ways in which they assist with um, clot formation and it's through adhesion so once endothelial and von Willi factor is released then you have the adherence of platelets secretion so they secrete um, from granules calcium and ADP which facilitate um, activation of um further adhesion and inflammation um, and aggregation, so a conformational change from round to spike uh, to flat with spikes. Um, and the finally the activation of fibrin, which helps the aggregation. So during non-progressive um, hemorrhagic shock, uh, the compensatory mechanisms are activated to maintain vital organ perfusion. So you get a variety of neurohumoral mechanisms um, to help maintain cardiac output and blood pressure. So you've got your baroreceptor reflexes, release of catecholamines, activation of the renin-angiotensin system, ADH release, increased sympathetic output, um, resulting in tachycardia, peripheral vasoconstriction and renal conservation of fluid with decreased urine output. Um, coronary and cerebral vessels are less sensitive to sympathetic response and blood flow and oxygen delivery is relatively spared. Um, during the progressive phase with tissue hyperfusion, worsenings, worsening circulatory and metabolic imbalance, you develop acidosis, you get widespread tissue hypoxia resulting in anaerobic glycolysis with excess lactic acidosis production blunting the vasomotor response. 
um, and you end up with peripheral pooling, hypoxic injury, DIC, vital organs begin to fail. <clears throat> peripheral pooling, hypoxic injury, DIC, organ failure. Um, and then during the irreversible phase, um, after body has incurred cellular and tissue injury so severe that even if hemodynamic defects are corrected, survival is not possible, so you get widespread cell injury, lysosomal enzyme release, nitric oxide causing decreased myocardial contractility, acute tubular necrosis to renal failure, ischemic gut to bacteremic shock, severe hypotension, unconscious anuria, pre-cardiac arrest, and then death. What are the mechanisms of gram-negative sepsis? So it's a combination of direct microbial injury and activation of host inflammatory responses, e.g. by endotoxins, lipid A, O, antigen. Um, so one, you get inflammatory mediator release, so you get TNF, interleukin, 1, 6, 8, 10, prostaglandins, nitrous oxide, platelet activating factor, and reactive oxygen species, but you also get plasminogen activator inhibitor 1. So inflammatory mediator release TNF, interleukin, prostaglandin, nitrous oxide, PATH, PAI1, reactive oxygen species. Then you get activation of innate cells of immune system neutrophils, macrophages, monocytes. So activation of neutrophils, macrophages, monocytes, humoral humoral interaction to activate complement and coagulation pathways um, direct endothelial injury and activation metabolic abnormalities such as insulin resistance um, and hyperglycemia immune suppression with activation of counter regulatory mechanisms um, what like lymphocyte apoptosis, hyperglycemia, and if it's neutrophils, what are the potential outcomes? End organ dysfunction, including cardiomyopathy, hypotension, ARDS, DIC, renal failure, multi-system organ failure, death. So what's involved? Inflammatory mediated release, TNF, interleukin, prostaglandin, nitrous oxide, PAF, reactive oxygen species, activation of innate cells of immune system, neutrophils, macrophages and monocytes, humoral interaction to activate complement and coagulation pathways, um, direct endothelial injury and activation, metabolic abnormalities, immune suppression with activation of counter-regulatory mechanisms with anti-inflammatory mediators um, and in-organ and systemic dysfunction as the end result causing cardiomyopathy, hypotension, ARDS, DIC, renal failure, multi-system organ failure or death. With reference to shock, when DIC develops, what's the process? So you get increased tissue factor production, decreased production of protein C, tissue factor pathway inhibitor um, thrombomodulin, decreased fibrinolysis causing increased plasminogen activator inhibitor, um, so decreased fibrinolysis but increasing plasminogen activator inhibitor combined with stasis, so decreased washout of activated coagulation factors results in activation of thrombin and fibrin-rich thrombi. What factors determine the severity and outcome of septic shock 
in an individual, so extent and virulence of infection, immune status of host, presence of other comorbid conditions and pattern and level of mediated production, extent and virulence of infection, immune status of host, presence of other comorbid conditions and pattern and level of mediated production. Um, and when DAC develops, what's the process? Increased TF production, decreased production protein C, TF pathway inhibitor thrombomodulin, decreased fibrinolysis by increasing the plasminogen activator inhibitor, um, and this combined with stasis with decreased washout of activated coagulation factors results in activation of thrombi and fibrin-rich thrombi. What is an endotoxin? So bacterial cell wall lipopolysaccharides, usually from gram-negative bacilli, consists of a genetic, oh, a generic fatty acid core and a complex polysaccharide coat, unique for each species. So bacterial cell wall lipopolysaccharides, usually from gram-negative bacilli, with a Generic fatty core and a complex polysaccharide coat, unique for each species. And how does an endotoxin cause septic shock? Well, there's dose-dependent activation of neutrophils, macrophages and monocytes, mediator release, local systemic inflammatory response. Activation occurs via lipoprotein, uh, lipopolysaccharides binding protein CD14 receptor activation. Um, and release of mediators TNF, interleukin and chemokines causing cytokine release. Um, at low dose you'll get enhanced local inflammatory response and clearance of infection. At moderate dose you'll get fever, procoagulant activity and at high dose you'll get septic shock with systemic vasodilation, reduced myocardial contractility, widespread endothelial injury and ARDS. Um, and activation of the coagulation system with DAC formation. How are specific organ systems affected in septic shock? So heart, you get dysfunction, depression, dilation. Vascular system, you get hypotension and vasodilation. In the microcirculation, you get endothelial injury, activation, leukocyte aggregation. In the coagulation system, you can get DIC, the lungs you get ARDS, and the liver you get failure, and the kidney failure, and in the CNS you get confusion or coma. What are the pathological me mechanisms that may contribute to venous thrombus formation in a vessel? So endothelial injury, alteration in blood flow, and hypercoagulability. Um, what are some different risk factors for venous thrombosis? So primary could be factor V Leiden, prothrombin gene mutations, increased levels of factor 8, 9, 11 or fibrinogen, deficiencies of antithrombin 3, protein C or S, um, fibrin, fibrinolysis defects, homozygous, homocystinuria, um, and a non-O blood group, rando. Um, secondary causes include stasis, tissue injury, AF, cancer, prosthetic cardiac valves, indwelling catheter devices, external venous compression, e.g. pregnancy after 20 weeks, um, platelet abnormalities, e.g. DIC, 
um, cardiomyopathy, nephrotic syndrome, increased estrogen as in pregnancy, postpartum or OCP, sickle cell anemia, smoking, antiphospholipid syndrome and hyperviscosity states. What are the possible outcomes of venous thrombus in a vessel? Propagation, embolization, dissolution, organization, recannulization. Propagation, embolization, dissolution, organization, recannulization. And um, Virtuos triad is endothelial injury, alteration in blood flow, hypercoagulability. 